Hey, we're so glad you decided to join us on YouTube. You're about to hear a message from our teaching team. We hope this message helps equip you for freedom and to find purpose in your everyday life. We stream our online services every Sunday. You can visit us at freedomhouse.cc live to connect with us and become part of our online campus. We know that you're gonna enjoy this message you're about to watch. Central Campus, Granddaddy's back! Hey, it's good to be here. Uh, before I tell you who I am, let's give it up for all of our people live streaming. Yeah! We got North Carolina, Georgia, South Carolina, Cali, 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 New York. What's the MI, y'all? Is that Michigan? Michigan, thank y'all. There's a lot more smart people in this building than me. Uh, New Hampshire, I guess, NH. Tennessee, Texas, Arizona. This is my part I dislike the most. Welcome. If I missed you or I said it wrong, then say it in your head how it's supposed to be. We're glad to have you here with us today. Uh, my name is Michael Singer, and I am one of the pastors here at Freedom House Church. I am service pastoring up at our Lake Norman campus. Uh, so it's good to be at Central, baby. Woo! Now, I haven't been here in a bit, but you know what? Y'all just get better looking with time. So thank y'all. Y'all look good. So I've been at this church for uh, now about 16 and a half years. Uh, came in like the first month of service. That's why when I opened up, I said, granddaddy is back. I, some of y'all are older than me, but I'm like granddaddy here at this church. So I love it. Love the people that I get to meet. You all are some great people, and there are a lot of you that I've never got to meet and just know you're great too. I don't have to meet you to make you great. You make yourself great. So, uh, sorry, I forgot what I was going to say. So here's what, <laughs> so what happens when you just start talking. So here, here's what I love about our pastors. So this past Friday, you heard, I think Aaron mentioned it, that we had uh, an encounter service. Our encounter service is just something that we do where we sing some songs, but we really leave it open. We leave a lot of margin for God just to move, for people to be encouraged, people to get healed, whatever the case may be. I've seen our pastors over all these years operate in many different gifts, and they're great visionaries, great communicators, all that stuff. But probably one of my favorite things about them is I was sitting in the audience at our South End campus watching just God move and watching God use them to, to move and do things in people's lives. And what I love about them is that they have these gifts and they allow God to, to operate in such a way that that night they were saying things to people specifically. They felt like God was saying to them, calling people up specifically. They felt like God was telling them. But most importantly, they were just praying and encouraging people to go, hey, there's hope and God is the one who can do it. This moment is just to encourage you, but God is the one who can do it. So let's give it up for our senior pastors and them just operating in that gift that they have. So we're, we're in this series, Crop Circles. I got a question I want to ask, and you're going to answer it by a show of hands. Now, look, don't raise your, don't raise your hand just because you're in church, and don't raise your hand just because you feel like, oh, if nobody raises their hand, that poor guy is going to ask a question that nobody's raising their hand. Be honest, okay? So this whole series of crop circles is about God doing the miraculous. Basically, that we can't explain, he can't figure it out, but something happened that I go, it ain't nothing but God. If you have seen something, we've only been in this a week, if you've seen something over the last week in your life or right around your circle that you're like, wow, look at what God did, I want you to just raise your hand if you've seen a miracle. All right. Good deal. I expected five people, and look at that. There's a whole lot of people. Now, here's the thing I love about this is that God is still moving. If your hand didn't go up and you give him time and we pay attention, your hand's going to go up. Here's the great thing. When summer's over, God's still moving. 
this series is not to just limit God to the summer for us to see what he's doing and then go back to our just normal everyday life. It's about us learning to really pay attention, learning what it looks like to believe God for a miracle, learning what it looks like to be patient in the process, learning what it looks like to get to know him better as we're watching things unfold in life. You know, one of the things in my life, if you were to ask me, Michael, in the latter years of your relationship with God, what's, what's one of the major things that you've seen that you've been growing in and that God's been pushing you in that you've been actively walking out and seeing? I would say that it is one of the things is that I've learned to be more appreciative and thankful for some of the things that I just took for granted in the years past. That I've gotten to a place in my relationship with God where I have moments that I think about my wife and my marriage, and I'm like, man, I love my baby girl, my sugar. <laughs> and I'll text her and just say, baby, I love our marriage and I love you. And she'll do the same to me. Like, it was a season I didn't do that as much. I think about my family and my kids and how much I love them. I'll think back just to what God has done in my life from back in college and all these different things, who he's shown me and caused me to rest in who I am. I'll think about all the ministries and churches that he's put me in and around all the great leaders and people just like yourselves that he has taken me through and allowed me to be a part of. I begin to realize more and more, all the little nuances in life that God is present. Now, here's what I love about God and nuances. You ever been talking to somebody and y'all are both in Charlotte and y'all came from somewhere else and you get to talking and you realize, man, we grew up like right around the corner from each other, didn't even know it. All these little things, you're like, oh my gosh. Or you're traveling and you just bump into somebody, you know, you're in a whole other country and you're like, whoa, what in the heck are you doing in the airport over here? Like, I can't believe this. Or you just talk to somebody and there's this vibe or this click that you're like, there's no way in the world I could have planned this or guessed this. Oh my word. I purposely didn't say, oh my gosh, because I get tired of OMG. Now it's OMW, oh my word. Y'all hashtag that, get it going. But I love... I love these little nuances. My wife and I lead our pre-marriage life groups, so people that are considering marriage are already engaged. And when we get these five-day couples gathered around, I'm always impressed. We have them tell their story of how they met, how they got from dating and, and getting to a place where they're thinking about marriage or engaged. And I'm always impressed with God always has a, at least one thread that most all the couples have. We had one group where almost everybody had met online. That's the kind of stuff that I'm like, God, you just crazy. Like, you up there going, I can do whatever I want to do, and I'm just going to play with these people. Until they see that I'm doing, I'm going to play with them. So here's my question. Maybe God is doing more than what we actually see. Are we not seeing maybe all that God is doing? So I'm going to read a scripture in Job. Chapter 5, verse 9, Job's friend is talking to him, and he's talking about God. So when I read the word he, this is talking about God. It says this in Job 5, 9. He does great things too marvelous to understand. He performs countless miracles. Countless miracles too marvelous to understand. Maybe we are just missing some of the things he's doing because he says he's doing countless miracles. So today, my goal is to get us to a place where we can leave here and begin to recognize more of these countless miracles in our life. 
Many years ago, I was at my dad and stepmom's house, and I was talking about how dirty my inside of my stove was and I needed to clean it. And I don't remember if this was back when I was still in college or single or even when I was married. But, you know, your stove is not a thing you just clean out all the time. The door stays shut as long as it's on and it's cooking whatever you're cooking. As long as that turkey in there is cooking up, you're good. Mine was filthy, like caked on, just caked. So my stepmom says, Michael, here's what you need to do. You need to go get some easy off oven cleaner. Make sure it's heavy duty. Okay. She said, spray your oven down, and it'll clean that oven out. All right, I'll try this. It's worth a shot. So I get the easy off, spray the oven down. She told me, let it sit for a while. So I let it sit for a while. Do you know I walked back to that oven, and I opened that door up? And everything was still there. It just looked a little damp from where I sprayed it, but everything was still sitting there. <laughs> now, I could have closed that oven up and said, dang, I done seen these commercials in the bathroom where you spray the stuff and it supposedly cleans by itself. That's a, that's a lie. <laughs> that, that bathroom hadn't had about three or four kids in it for a month and everybody in there, that's just one of them. They just put a little fog on there and they cleaned it off. I could have closed it up and just thought, this thing was supposed to clean itself. But I took a cloth, and I just wiped. And when I wiped, that part that I wiped was renewed right back to exactly what it was supposed to be. But it took me taking that action to wipe it off to really get it back to where it was supposed to be when it was a new, brand new oven. And it was a miracle working solution. <laughs> so here's what I, here's a statement I want us to leave here today with I want you to get this in your head miracles flow from follow-through not figuring it out miracles flow from follow-through not figuring it out if you have a spigot or for those people that work in the plumbing industry a hose bib on the outside of your house and you have a hose hooked up to it a water hose hooked up to that that spigot that water faucet and then on the end of the hose, you have that spray nozzle because spray nozzle is just the greatest thing. And you go, when you go to turn that water on, that is the faith. That's like faith that we have because we're believing there's water in that line that when we turn it on, it's going to activate something. But I could turn that water hose on and go, well, it must be broken. Don't see any water coming out. Because the water's in the hose and the nozzle is just sitting there. I can look and just go, well, it's broken. Or I can walk over, grab that nozzle, squeeze the handle, move the trigger, and realize, oh, my gosh. Now that I've operated and followed through with grabbing that handle, I can see the flow of the water coming out. The thing that was dead that I'm trying to water or about to dry up, now it can have life because I followed through and I saw the flow. And it's the same way with miracles. God is saying there's countless miracles going on, but are we willing to follow through so that we can see the flow of those miracles come to fruition in our life? Or are we just sitting back going, well, I don't see it. I can't figure it out. Not worth my time. Forget that. I'm going to share a story today. It's Jesus' first miracle. And in the story, I just want to draw out some of the principles. I'm not saying this is every principle out there. But I want to draw out and talk about some things today that I feel like are going to be beneficial for us in our life to know what does follow-through look like. 
What is this guy up here talking about when he says follow through? So let's read in John chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, uh uh-oh, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. And you know, never mind. (laughs) Jesus said, woman. Let's pause here for a minute. (laughs) So, I joke around with Jalay. And I'll say, you can't talk to me like that, woman. Woman, where is this? Woman, what you going to do about this? Now, I'm joking. If I wasn't joking, y'all be visiting me in the hospital right now. (laughs) But... Now when I say that, I can say, what would Jesus do? (laughs) Let me just give you a little tip, men. Those that are married especially, but men in general. If you take this little joke I made and you go home and try to do that, you will probably see Jesus. (laughs) So just know I'm joking around. I just find it hilarious. I doubt Jesus said it like that, but I find it hilarious that he said woman. So let's get back to this. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. She didn't even respond to him. His mother's, his mother said to the servants, which is what I get when I say that to Jalea. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. So nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. So a lot of water there. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside, or in our world we would just say the groom, and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had a little bit too much to drink because they ain't going to know any different. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So what are some ways that we can follow through? If the flow of miracles comes with the follow through, if we want to see what God is doing, if he has countless miracles, what does that follow through look like? in this particular story, in these passages of scriptures. The first thing that we have to see when we're following through is that we have to go with who we know. Go with who we know. One of the teams here at Freedom House that helps serve people and do stuff on the weekend to make our weekends happen is our production team. Now, selfishly, I have a very high level of respect for our production team. Matter of fact, let's give it up for our production team. Now, I said selfishly, so I'm not saying that God is saying they're any better than anybody in the parking lot, people serving coffee, or the kids. I'm not saying that. Selfishly, not God said. I I have a high level of respect because what they do scares me. Because I'm on staff here, I understand flow 
Everything we do in this building, we try to do it so that people can encounter God. One of the things that is helpful with that is trying to limit distractions. Because if you're like me, when you see something like, oh gosh, your mind just starts wandering off. Our production team is crucial with limiting distractions. Even them following me on the camera right now. <laughs> them putting words up, you know, I, I, quote, I, I tell them, oh, there's a video, that going up. All these things, they're dealing with technology. Technology is a beautiful thing. It can also make you look crazy in a second. Sometimes there's things out of their control. Sometimes things get put on them last minute or there's a change that we have to make on the fly. They have to be attentive to even what I'm talking about and not get bored and know when to click on scripture. All these things that they do that are very detailed and are very important that when it happens and it's not right, it's like, <gasps> everybody sees it. So I have a high level of respect and I understand how challenging it is to do what they do. My oldest son, he's sitting down here, he's 12 years old. Hey, hey buddy. <laughs> he's about as tall as me, so he doesn't look 12, but he is 12. He served in the production in the kids' wing. Well, he had an opportunity to begin to serve on Saturday nights here in the main auditorium. I, because of what I said a moment ago, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm like, this is my son's 12. But I'm like, okay. They'll probably put him running, you know, something easy in the back in the production room, clicking on, you know, words for songs or something like that. Well, he get, goes through the training, and I hear after the training that he is infatuated with the camera. Like, oh, I want to run the camera. And I'm like, Psh, please. They ain't going to have him run that camera for a few years probably. So I think I got a text from Leslie on the worship team one Saturday night. or I can't remember how it unfolded, but it wasn't many weeks. They said, oh, Noah's running camera. And I'm like, <gasps> what? <laughs> I've been here 16 and a half years. Freedom House lost their mind. <laughs> so God had to check me. And he checked me by reminding me of what I know about my son. So you put me around technology... And every computer is going to have a sledgehammer through the top of it. <laughs> Just don't like technology. If I could throw my phone in the ocean, I would. Don't like it. He, on the other hand, loves it. He does robotics. He's into it. He teaches me things about stuff. All this stuff, he loves technology. That's the first thing I knew about him. The second thing I knew about him is I've watched the boy eat his food. I've watched him fold clothes. And I've watched him do other things around the house. That boy is so meticulous, like if a crease is off in the pants, he's going to take his time. Might take three days. When he eats, separate stuff out, eating it just perfectly. I said, this boy loves technology, and he's meticulous. There's not a better resume for doing production. Because I knew who he was. Now, let's look back at the story. Verse 3 in John chapter 2 said, When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. She went to Jesus, not because Jesus owned a vineyard and carried wine around with him. She went to Jesus because she knew him. She knew that way before he was born, an angel came to him and said, Hey, Mary, if you, God loves you and he wants his, his Savior, his, the Messiah who's going to save the world. He wants to have Jesus be born through you from the Holy Spirit. And she said, I'll do it. She knew that he was the one that was going to heal the sick, let the lame walk, set the captives free. She knew all this stuff. So when she went to him, she went because she knew. 
And you notice she didn't respond to him when he talked to her because her knowing superseded what he said. So here's the question. If we want to follow through and see all the miracles God is doing, maybe the first question we need to ask is, how much do I know him? You know, maybe we know him because Sunday is just a check off our list of things that we're doing occasionally. Maybe we know him because we had a car accident and we're like, whoa, man, thank God I could have died in that. And that's it. Maybe we know him from what we've heard about him. Or maybe we know him because we show up. Maybe we know him because we started getting involved. Maybe our knowing of him is because we read his word. Wherever we at, it is a journey of knowing him. And I believe that as we continue to try to know him, because knowing, knowing God is like this. So I, I am, a, this is a characteristic of God. You're looking at me straight on. That's one characteristic. That's God right there, a new characteristic. New characteristic. I ain't got all day to do this. But you get the picture. We can spend 85 lifetimes, and God has got something new that he wants us to know about him. And when we know it, we begin to recognize him more active in our lives. That's why I started out and said, in the latter days of my relationship with God, I've been more appreciative of those small things. How do we know him? Mary knew exactly who he was. And that's why I didn't phase her. Now, she might have been operating in that mama stuff, too, like, boy, you're going to do this. But she knew who her son was and what God was going to have him do. And so she didn't have no problem making that miracle happen. The second thing when it comes to follow through that I want to talk about is that we have to do what we are asked to do. We have to do what we are asked to do. And when I look back in this story, you know, Mary was the first example of, you know, call on who you know. But the do part, do what we are asked to do, verse 5. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And then we hear Jesus start telling them stuff to do. And those servants do everything that he's asked them to do. What is it that God has asked us to do that we haven't done? That the, the flow of the miracle is just waiting for us to see it once we do it. And we can say, God... I need you to do a miracle in my marriage. But God's like, hey, as a husband, I've called you to love your wife unconditionally. Have you got wrapped up in providing for your family that you don't, you're not cherishing your wife anymore? Have you stopped respecting your husband like God called us to do in Ephesians 5? And maybe you're just always at him and telling him all the things he needs to change. I believe God is saying you want your marriage healed, but you're not even doing the things I'm asking you to do. God, I really want to be better in traffic and not yell at people. Well, you need to start working on some of the patience I've been asked you to do. God, I really just want to hear from you. Well, stop talking all the time. God, I want to be healed just after I supersize two of these meals and I eat all the burgers and everything. Heal me, Lord. Heal me. Touch me. We just sit back and want God to do stuff so that heaven and earth can be hung in our world, but we forget he's the one that hung heaven and earth. If we don't know him like he hung heaven and earth, and we're not doing what he's asked us to do, then I'm just, just going to say we might miss out on some of that constant miracle working that he's doing in our lives that we don't even see. I remember we had a guest minister here at Freedom House a few years back. He actually came a couple times. His name was Andrew Caballo. 
Andrew Kabbalah loved to teach on healing, uh, had a real gift for just God speaking to him and healing people and using that gift in him. And so he came, and we had a service, and we would do this every time he would come. We'd invite people, and it was kind of like an encounter service, but we would just give Andrew Kabbalah space to teach, to talk, and then just to use the gift that God has given him, calling people up and all this. Well, one of these times he was here, I had come in, and for a few days I had been uh, struggling with my leg. I think it was my leg or my back. I can't remember, but I had this real bad pain. I just could not figure out how it happened, and I just it wouldn't, I couldn't seem to shake it. And so... While I'm sitting out here, I'm thinking, you know, maybe he'll, uh, maybe he'll call up people that have that leg pain, and I'll just know God's going to heal me tonight. You know, God, I believe you're going to heal me tonight, but I kind of was playing out how it would work. Well, I was asked to come up on the platform and just help do some things as he called people up to help, you know, get people around and be there and just, just to do the, some work of serving the people on the platform as he was praying over them and as God was healing people. And as I stood there... I thought to myself, well, I don't know when this is going to happen for me. And God was like, hey, man, I just need you to be quiet and just serve. Like, do what you're supposed to do up here. So I just started doing that. Didn't really think nothing of it. When I got off that platform, God had healed my leg. Andrew Kabbalah didn't touch me. Nobody came up and prayed for me. It was just while I was doing what God had asked me to do and believing. I was still believing. Like, I still had it in my mind. But just while I was focused on doing something else, what he called me to do, he healed me in that moment. What is your doing? Maybe God has asked you, hey, don't give up praying for that thing. Maybe God has asked you to walk out to our lobby today. We have that box. Write down that miracle and draw a circle. Maybe you thought, oh, that's a great, cute idea Freedom House is doing, but that's corny. I ain't going to do that. Or somebody's going to see me write that. Maybe God is saying, hey, go write that on there. Whatever the doing is, Maybe we're missing out on the miracle and the flow of that because we're not just doing simply what God has asked us to do. The last thing I want to talk about in this story when it comes to follow through is that we have to see what others don't see. We have to see what others do not see. And this is in our individual life. We have to begin to look inside our life and get to a place where we begin to see the things that God is doing, not somebody else just calling out and showing us what those things are. In the story, verses 9 through 10 is where I see this principle of seeing what others do not see. It said, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now. The guy who didn't see the miracle went to the groom and thought he had done all this. But the servants, they knew differently and they had seen what everybody else didn't see. A little side note just to keep in your brain and your heart to think about. Very interesting that it's the servants that saw the miracle and not the one who was running the show. You see, sometimes I think we go to God and we act like the king or queen and say, I want you to do this instead of remembering that he's the king and I'll be here while you do it. You just tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. For those of you live streaming, there's a guy on the second row to the left named Ed Canty. He said, come on, granddaddy. <laughs> we have to see what others don't see. 
There's a couple in our church, Ben and Amanda Whitley. Love Ben and Amanda, solid people. Love them as friends. They serve in this house. They impact the people that come through these doors, just faithful, great quality people. Ben and Amanda have been married like around two, maybe just over two years. And they decided, hey, we want to we wanna start have, trying to have children. They were having some challenges in the natural. And so as they were believing for God, they began to go to some fertility specialists and begin to check out and look at some things that might help them with what was going on physically. So about a, a month and a half or so ago, they had been doing this fertility method and they found out on a Saturday morning that the fertility method they had been doing did not work. And that's challenging news. You know, I, childbirth, everything goes well. It is a miracle. When you watch a human being come out of it, it's like crazy. I just don't get it. I don't understand. I don't know how that just whatever. If you're a woman and you've had a baby, you understand more than I do what a miracle that is. When you're having challenges in that process, something that you desire, you want, and more women have a challenge, more couples have that challenge that we would even know, it's tough. And when you get a blow like, hey, this ain't working out, it's tough to hear. So that same Saturday night, there in our Saturday night service, Pastor Penny comes up during the music part of worship, kind of like Aaron and Stephanie came up, and she just invites people to come up, and uh, if they're believing for a miracle, believing for God to do something, just come up during the song. So Ben told me they were standing over here. Now Ben, for about three plus years, he has had a major foot problem that he just cannot seem to find a solution for. And it's been hurting him badly. Feels it all the time. It's just a pain. And it hinders a lot of stuff and just causes him a lot of issues. So he said as he was standing up here, the music was playing. He just began to praise God, singing songs, and was praying in the spirit. He said while he was in that moment of just loving and honoring God, he said he felt this warmth come over his body and his foot was healed right there on the spot. Great miracle. Three years he's been waiting for this, healed right there in that moment. Well, they found out later, like about a month later, they found out they were pregnant. So they began to backtrack on when they conceived the baby, and they realized it was around that same weekend that that would have happened. Now, Ben's telling me this story. And I made a statement to Ben, and I kind of chuckled when I said it, but I meant it when I said it in the midst of the chuckle. And as I thought about it the, day after, the days after when I was just by myself and thinking about this message, I was like, man, God, that's just like you. You knucklehead. You're always doing something. Here's what I said to Ben. I said, man, it's funny that God healed your foot right around the same time y'all got pregnant. I think God knew that you were going to need to run around and chase a baby, and he needed your feet to be good so you could run around. Ha ha, funny comical statement, but I believe that God works like that. You see, Ben and Amanda, they can see those little details that others don't see. And they can go, man, God, look at what you, you care about everything. What if I'd have been so concentrated on the miracle of having a baby, I would have missed out on this miracle along the way to get me to the place for the miracle that I was believing in. He is doing countless miracles. And he wants us to be a part of that. I will probably never make a good theologian, but I'm a brilliant senologian. <laughs> Meaning I can look over my life, survey, study all that God has done, and I know how good he is. Yeah.
While you're clapping, I just want you to stand to your feet. And as you stand to your feet, I want you to close your eyes because here's what I know about God. God is always wanting to talk to us. He's always wanting to show us something. But sometimes we just need to take our focus off everything else so we can just listen to what he's saying to us. So that's the only reason I ask you to close your eyes. And as you sit there with your eyes closed, as you think about whatever God was saying to you, I know that God was speaking to you. Whether you're live streaming, whether you're here present, I know that God's talking to you because he cares about you. And I hope you're hearing and listening to what he's saying to you. The first thing I want to ask is if you know him. In order to see who God is and how much he loves us, we just have to step into that initial knowing of him. The knowing of him to see more of what he's doing starts with an initial, God, I want a relationship with you. I'm just going to stop trying to do things myself. I'm going to invite you into my life because what Jesus did for me on the cross and raised from the dead, I want you in my life and I need to know you and I don't really know you. I've been showing up, checking church off my list. Today, I'm going to leave because I want to know you. If you're here and you don't know God and have that relationship, I want you to raise your hand if today you want to change that and you want to know God. Just lift your hand up wherever you are. I see your hand in the balcony. Thank you. Any more hands? I see your hands over here on the right side, too, gentlemen. Thank you. I appreciate it. See your hand in the middle. Thank you, sir. You can put it down once you've raised it. Now, as you've listened to this message, I just want to remind you, God is going to do countless miracles. He's doing it. The question is, are we seeing it? And if there's one of these three things, either just growing in your knowing of him, seeing what others don't see, or maybe even just doing some things that he's asked you to do but you haven't done. If any of those areas or one of those areas really spoke to you and you're like, man, I need to work on this follow-through stuff so I can see the flow of miracles. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand up to show God, hey, man, I heard you talking, and I know that when I walk out of here, there's work to be done. It doesn't stop here. I see all your hands across the room. Thank you for honoring God and, and showing him that you're listening to him. You can put your hand down. I want everybody to pray this prayer after me. If you raise your hand for any reason, pray that prayer loud. If you're here, have that relationship with God. Join in just as a celebration and an encouragement and just say this prayer. God, I love you. I thank you for loving me first. You sent your son, Jesus, the greatest miracle for me. He died and he was raised from the dead so that I can have new life. I choose new life today. Help me to know you better. Help me to do what you've asked me to do. Help me to see the things that others don't see. Therefore, I can see your many miracles. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Y'all give God a hand. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and join us for online services. If you'd like to learn more about Freedom House or how you can become part of our church, visit our website at freedomhouse.cc.